Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Thank you for being with us again this week. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check us out online, christ-life.org. Now, today, part number five of Warren Litzman's wonderful study on Jesus and Paul. It's so wonderful, and we appreciate all the great comments that we've been getting about it. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren. One, we're talking this afternoon about the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're a tripartite being. You've made a body, soul, and spirit. Christ is your spirit. You have a soul mind. You have a body. Most of our Christian experience, our emphasis has been on body. On body. This has to do with the outer things. All our lives we are supercharged by outer things. Your outer body. Uh, you spend a lot more money on your clothes, on your hair, on your self, outerly, than you do anything else in a lifetime probably. Uh, you spend a lot of money on a house to put that 98-cent body in. You spend a lot of money on a car to carry it around in. We're basically outer-driven human beings. Everything is outer. When it comes to the gospel, the gospel is much more attractive to us if it is outer. Now, I must make a very keen announcement here about outer things in the Scripture. Why didn't Israel accept the Messiah? Because Israel had no inner work of God. It was all outer. How'd she get out of Pharaoh's bondage? Outer miracles. How'd she get across the Red Sea? Outer miracles. How'd she survive 40 years in the wilderness? Outer miracles. All the way through her existence, everything God did for her was outer. Why was that so? because they were not his children. They're the children of Israel. They're the creations of God. Only one scripture suggests that they were children of God. But that was in view that everybody made by God is created by God. Everything was outer. So that when Jesus of Nazareth came, his whole ministry was outer, with two or three exceptions. Mostly outer. Turning water into wine was an outer thing. Healing the sick was outer. All the miracles he performed were outer miracles. One of the covenants, the new covenant in Jeremiah that belongs to Israel, was a covenant where Israel would receive a new spirit and a new heart. And you preachers here, you preach that to people constantly. You've got to get a new spirit, a new heart. You went back to Jeremiah and found that. But that doesn't belong to us. That belonged to Israel, and she never got it because that covenant is yet unfulfilled. That's one of the four covenants that have not been fulfilled. 
won't be fulfilled till Israel accepts her Messiah. She won't get a new heart and a new spirit till then. But we did. Our relationship with God is not outer, it's inner. How did the first Pentecostals miss what Jesus said in John 14 and 20 when he said on that day, the day of Pentecost, you shall know that I'm in you and you're in me? How did they miss that? Because they were given to the outer things. That's all they knew. They didn't know anything else. The tongues, cloven tongues of fire, building was shaken. Different languages spoken. 3,000 saved in the evening. That wasn't outer. But they didn't know that. They didn't know what God was doing because everything had been a manifestation of the outer, just like it is today. You want a crowd today? It'll be outer things that draws you. We're put together like that. We like that. We are body people, mostly body people. My dear friend and teacher in the Lord of these truths, Norman Grubb, was a missionary here in Africa uh, back in the early 1900s. And he didn't like black people. He got over here and decided he didn't like black people to be a missionary. His, 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 his uh, father-in-law was C.T. Studd, the great missionary. And so God had to deal with him about that. And he said one day he was standing there in a hut and he looked out the window in this compound saw all these black people there. And he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, there goes Jesus. See that man there, Norman? That's Jesus, black man. See that man there? That's Jesus. And he said for the first time, I saw Jesus in human bodies. And he said, from then on, I knew that the gospel was not a body gospel. It was an inner man gospel. Well, how do we come to that understanding? How do we move from these things? The early church had these signs, wonders, and miracles because God was still opening the door for Israel to accept their Messiah. Bible students know this. There were about two or three occasions in the book of Acts. Acts 2 was one of them when Peter, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and, and I think up until about Acts 16, the door was still open for Israel to accept their Messiah. And so there was still the signs, wonders, and miracles because none of these things that was happening was a great attraction to them because they didn't understand it, the inner work of God. They thought being a Jew was being godly. See? You understand the difference there? They thought being a Jew was being godly. But they had none of God in them, so what they had done with the history, they have a tremendous history. Israel has a tremendous history. And that history was compounded so that it made them think they were God's special ones. Just by being a Jew, many are like that today. In fact, Christians have made them God's chosen people, and they are that. But the Jew today, dear friends, needs to be born again without any history. 
I have no history in the Scriptures. Gentiles have no history in the Scriptures. And we need to come to Jesus because we need a Savior, not because we have a history going back to Abraham. Now, that's cold and cruel, but that's the way I believe it. Israel will not be saved till she accepts her Messiah, but Jews can accept Jesus as their Savior, just like you did, and be one with Christ. Well, the Holy Spirit works in the believer, not outside of him, but he works in the believer's soulish part. Our text in Galatians 1, 16 and 17 says that when it pleased God who separated me from the mother's womb and revealed his son in me. How does revelation take place? 1 Corinthians 2, I have not seen, ears not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. What has Paul done in that verse? He has blocked out the outer. He's blocked it out. He said this relationship with Christ in you cannot be seen, heard, or felt. Now that's cruel too, isn't it? Because you're sure your relationship with God is based on one of these things. You see, that's because we're body people. We only see the outer. We don't see Jesus inside of everybody. Did, did you, do you get that? You want to solve the problems in the world, racism and all other problems, then preach Christ inside the human being. Preach that Christ. That'll get rid of the outer. That was, that's what the New Testament is. That's what the gospel is, is preaching that Christ, not Jesus of Nazareth. When Paul said, we preach Christ, we know he's preaching Christ in us. When he said, I'm determined to know nothing, save Jesus Christ and him crucified, he's talking about that revealed Christ, the Christ that's in the human being. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ? Why did Jesus say, on that day you'll know you're in me and I'm in you? Why did he say that? Because it had to be brought by the Holy Spirit to the human being or they'd never understood it. For instance, Jesus stood before this group in this upper room discourse, and he was standing there, flesh in the flesh, as a human, and if he had looked at him and said, folks, one of these days, I'm going to be in you, and you're going to be in me. How do you think that had gone over? <laughs> See, that would have really fallen. How could they grasp that? You're, you're, you're fantasizing, Jesus. This isn't real. What do you mean we're going to be in you and you and us? They didn't understand that. What they wanted him to do was to stay there in the flesh. They could see, touch feel and hear that. But the new gospel would not be based on that kind of relationship with Jesus. The new gospel of grace 
would be based on the fact that you can't see it, hear it, or feel it. This relationship of Christ in you is not based on sense knowledge. Not based on it. When I stand here and talk to you about Christ in you, I'm not talking to you about something that will make your, your spine curl or your hair stand on end or your ears wiggle or you make you jump up and down. You understand that? We in the church today are just, just now pregnant with Christ in us. We haven't known anything about it. See? All you ladies understand that. When you get pregnant, you go several days and sometimes weeks before you think anything happened to you. But sure enough, an obstetrician comes along one day and says, you're right, you're pregnant. Everybody goes a period of time before they know that. And that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's the obstetrician. What's his business? To reveal that Christ is in you. You can't get it any other way. You can't know it any other way. So he said, you can't see it, hear it, or feel it, but these things are revealed unto you by his Spirit. Now, the, the, the words reveal and revelation are used many times in Paul's ministry because that was the key to the in Christ message. It must be revealed to you. It is revealed to you. The Scriptures open up that this thing is available to you. But then you wait on the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. It's confusing to people in the New Testament. It's confusing. Why would the Apostle Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13 <clears throat> that there would be certain of these gifted ministries that would cease? The ministry themselves didn't cease because Paul could say, for instance, I speak in tongues more than you all. That didn't stop. That was a part of his worship, a part of his life. What was it that ceased? They would no longer be men's ministries. That's what ceased. That's what happened to the church at Corinth. They were all boasting of their ministries. They all have this outer facade that I am somebody. It's rampant in our world today. Somebody said to me the other day, you must be an apostle. I said, I hope not. I'd just like to be a son. <laughs> you see, we're so given to this outer body thing that what God did inside of us got lost. I told you 90% of Christianity hasn't the slightest idea about Christ in them. That he's there. That's a gift of God. That's something the Scripture says God did. They were rebirthed but don't know it. So what's the problem? It's our misuse of the Holy Spirit. The early church thought the Holy Spirit had come to make them great and important. And honestly, the first church at Jerusalem never got free of that. That's why the first Pentecostal church had nothing but trouble. They're like somebody said to me, <laughs> I got preacher friends that write books on how we ought to be like the, the early church. 
and they're mad at me because that's the last thing I'd want to be like is the early church. They like to starve to death. If it hadn't been for Paul, they wouldn't have had money to live on. God saw their collection of saints in Jerusalem. He dispersed them. Uh, the early church you need to look at didn't really come into being till Paul had his revelation because the early church we read of in the first seven chapters of Acts is the Hebrew church. It's a Judaistic church. It's the church that was phased out. When Paul said these things will cease, that's what ceased. When Paul said there was another gospel, that was the gospel. It was phased out. And what about Pentecost? Pentecost is a work of the Holy Spirit revealing this Jesus. Now, most of you know this, but some of you haven't been here. If you really want to know about the works of the Holy Spirit, you need to go to John's Gospel and study John 14, 15, and 16. And if you can go through those about a hundred times, you'll get an idea of what the Holy Spirit is to do. Seven times Jesus says there he's a teacher in one form or another. He's to teach you something. What is he to teach us? We're all pretty smart already, you know. What is the Holy Spirit to teach us? He's to teach us Christ. Words like, he will not speak of himself, he'll speak only of me. He'll take the things of mine and reveal them unto you. Why is it the world doesn't know Jesus Christ is vibrant and alive in human bodies on this earth today? It's because we have misused the Holy Spirit. We want him still to give us gifts and power to make us somebody. But the greater thrill is Christ in us. Christ as me. Me as Christ. To get that fixed in my mind that I no longer live. So my gifts went with that. My effort and my toil and my labor all went with that. I no longer live. What I do now is Christ. But how do we come to that understanding? How does this revelation take place? It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our minds. Why? Because when you got saved, God only touched this part of you, spirit. <clears throat> That's all that was saved. So we have the scripture that says this. We are saved. In that same verse, we are being saved. In body, we will be saved. What about this part of us that's being saved? The part of us that's being saved is our soulish part. What's in our soulish part? Intellect, will, and emotion, psychologically. So what is our soulish part? That's our mind. We have had a glorious, miraculous, wonderful work done for us in our spirit. God has taken a sinner hellbound who cried out for help. And he said, okay, I'm going to save you and I'm going to put Christ in you. You are rebirth, born again. Christ is your life. Now he said, I'm going to see how much you love me. How much do you love me? 
I'm assuming he said that. How much do you love me? I put Christ in you. You're vouchsafe for eternity. You've got eternal life in you already. Eternal life is not here today and gone tomorrow experience. It means what it says. It's eternal life. He gave it to us based on Jesus Christ. And then the rest of the scriptures say, what are you going to do with that? It becomes a mind thing. So when you were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your mind. That's where he lives. That's where he works. He doesn't give you salvation. He is not your Savior. He is not Jesus Christ. And the greatest error in evangelical theology, to my simple way of thinking, is when they say when you accepted Jesus and he came into you, the Holy Spirit was Jesus. The Bible nowhere says that, nor does I, neither do I think it infers it. So the Holy Spirit works in your soul mind. What's he there for? You have this tremendous thing to take place of a rebirthing. Christ lives in you, and you don't in your natural mind. Scientists don't know it. Theologians don't know it. Psychologists don't know it. Nobody knows what that means except the Holy Spirit. He knows. He knows what it means to have Christ in you. Now when you read Paul's epistles, you're going to hear him talk like this because what I'm saying to you in the vernacular I make now is exactly like Paul's epistles are written. He talks as if the Spirit is your key to spiritual growth. Watch that. You can't grow anymore in spirit. The only way you can grow is in knowledge and understanding. The only way you can grow is in your mind. Why? Because the Christ in you cannot operate unless you give him a mind. Let this mind, allow this mind to be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. What is that? That's the scriptures opened up to you. But you have available the mind of Christ. What is that? That's the work of the Holy Spirit giving you the kind of life you ought to live. Now, we can't stereotype that. That's why when I come to you, I never give you a bunch of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. You'll be a good Christian if you do this. You're who you are by birthing. If you're not born again, <clears throat> that's one thing. If you are born again, that's another thing. There's only two ways about it. So I don't tell you do this and don't do that. Because the Holy Spirit is there to teach you this Christ that's in you. In everything you do, everything you say, everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit abides within you. He lives in you. Now, I've got to tell you about him. <coughs> some days you feel full of him and some days you don't. I used to always bewilder me when I had the Holy Spirit being Christ over here. <clears throat> bothered me because I said, well, we're up one day and we're down the next. So what we did in uh, my religion was to <clears throat> have a service where everybody could get resaved <laughs> because they were going up and down in their relationship with the Lord, and that's because I had the Holy Spirit in their spirit. Didn't have Christ there. 
<clears throat> you see, the Holy Spirit is dependent on you. Christ isn't. Remember, Christ is in you by the cross. But the Holy Spirit depends on you. If you're not open to him, if you get caught up in other things, if your mind is not fixed on the things of God, then you waver like that. See? So the, the Bible talks to us, and we've all got the vernacular need to be full of the Spirit. Well, being full of the Spirit is, is having him in his rightful place, doing what he's supposed to do. But we don't all live like that, do we? So the next time you vacillate in your Christian experience, it's not a Christ thing, it's a Holy Spirit thing. That'll help you out a lot. Because if you say, Holy Spirit, I am so disgusted, I'm so mad, I just don't want anything religious, he'll say, okay, he goes. What is he? He's a dove. He's a dove. He's not going to stand there and argue with you. Doves don't argue. They're the most calm, sweet little things you ever saw. I don't know why anybody wants to shoot them. A dove. He's, he's presented as a dove. Very meek and mellow person. He's not going to argue with you. He just go. And then when you get back and you're praying and reading your scriptures, you feel good again. Well, what's that? The Holy Spirit, who said, I'll never leave you has once again got your attention. So the coming and going in your Christian life is of the Holy Spirit. Christ in you is the one who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. My life in you is eternal. Eternal life. It doesn't come and go. It's there. So here's where you vacillate. Well, if you're not careful, your whole Christian experience is going to be made up of a body thing. Some people don't know the Holy Spirit is there unless they're wiggling and shaking and jumping up and down and doing what <laughs> comes natural to them, which is okay. Nothing wrong with that. We're all different people. But you have to be careful that your relationship with God goes beyond body feeling because this relationship with the Holy Spirit whose main mission is to teach you Christ. He shall speak only of me. Did you get that? Only of me. When I taught in Pentecostal colleges, big colleges, I was stern on that point. As you get up and prophesy or interpret or whatever it is you do, the Holy Spirit's main mission is to reveal Christ. Jesus said he will speak only of me. So he's not going to tear a church apart and say, Grandma over here did wrong, Joe over here is not right. That's not what it's all about. But we made it that because we are ignorant. Ignorant. I started to call you sheep, but you need to know that in Paul's vernacular, we are never sheep. Body members are not sheep. That belongs to Israel. Israel is sheep. When you read a sheep in the Scriptures... Once again, you must rightly divide. That belongs to Israel. Born-again believers are not sheep, and we don't have a shepherd leading us. We have Christ, who is our life, the great shepherd. We have Christ in us, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I wanted you to see what revelation is. What is revelation? Revelation is the Holy Spirit 
revealing this Christ. Now, I've been talking to you about the fact that we can't read. Great numbers of people can't read. Because the Scripture never veers from the, from the idea that knowing Christ is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is there in Paul's epistles again and again. His four most used words are mind words. They are knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and revelation. Those are the four most used words of Paul constantly. And the reason for that is that the problem is not to get people saved, but to get saved people to have some sense. See? That's why he uses those terms, that our minds might be renewed. Why? Well, we weren't saved in our mind. That's where we're being saved. But remember, over here, before you were saved, you had old Blockhead as your nature. What did he do? He filled that mind. He used that mind. And what he did, he made you think you were somebody. So you went through life defending yourself. But when you were born again, he was put out. Satan was out, and Christ became your life, but you still had that same old mind. You still thought the same old way. And it took time, it takes time, it takes time. It takes time for you to change your mind, and for most people to change their mind, it's very painful. And they don't like to do it. But you need to change your mind. We need to move from body to soul in our thinking. Because it's in our soulish part that the Holy Spirit will help us to know Jesus. Wonderful scripture. Where is it? I think it's in Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says, verse 20, Ephesians 4, he says, But you have not so learned Christ. Why did he make that statement? Look at the preceding verse. Who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. What are these? These are body people. That capsules modern religion in a nutshell. What is wrong with modern religion? They have not learned Christ. Then how are they going to learn Christ? From a teacher. Who is the teacher? The Holy Spirit. Now you see, he's not talking about Jesus of Nazareth here. Anybody can learn Jesus of Nazareth. Not long ago I read a book written by a news reporter of the Chicago Tribune, and it was an unusual book. I was really taken up with it. He was proving the authenticity of the natural Jesus on this earth. 
knew an awful lot of things about Jesus, but he was talking about a different Christ than Paul talks about here. When Paul says you've not learned Christ, he's not talking about Jesus of Nazareth. He says, now you've got to learn this Christ. What Christ? The Christ that is in you. We have the very pointed verse of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 and 16, where he says, we no longer know that Christ in the flesh. Well, we know all about him. But that's not the one we learn. In all our life, we have learned this Jesus of Nazareth, and we have held on feverishly that we could get some of the works that happened to him in our life, in our church, in our meetings. When he says we've not so learned Christ, he's talking about Christ that's in you. That's the one you don't know. Somebody comes to me and says, well, how do we learn that Christ? Watch what you think and what you say. Why? The only life you have is Christ, and he's coming out of you by your mental evaluation of him. He flows out of you. If you misuse him with anger, with greed, look at this 19th verse, who being past feeling, if you give yourself to lasciviousness, to the work of uncleanliness, with greediness, that's how he comes out. You haven't learned him. You've got to learn him by watching what you say, what you do, because Paul has already said the only life you have is Christ. How do you manifest? How does he get out of you? He gets out of you by what you say and do. I'm not perfect at that part now. My soul's still being saved. We'll be till the resurrection morning. I'm perfect in spirit, but I'm not in soul. And you have to remember, soul is an Old Testament term used very few times in the New Testament. Hundreds of times in the Old Testament. Because the saving of a soul was the saving of a mind and heart and body. That's the way it was for Israel. She was soulishly saved if she obeyed God. That was soulishly. Obey God and you'll be all right with me. But that's not the way it is with us. We're not saved soulishly for eternity. We're saved soulishly by the work of the Holy Spirit which goes on constantly in our life. Learn him. Where do you learn? From a teacher. Who's our teacher? Who is? Who's? That's bad. Who is our teacher? The Holy Spirit. You got him. You got him. But you got him doing all the wrong things maybe. I did for years. I had him doing all the wrong things. And when I had a revelation of Christ in 1960, I was floored, baffled. I had the degrees. I taught in college. I had taught in the highest places in our denomination and had preached the biggest meetings they had. And I was floored that I didn't know Jesus in me at all. Somebody said, how can I make a radical change in my thinking about the Holy Spirit? Remember Christ in you. It'll be easy to do. It was easy for me to make that change. 
You understand that? The Holy Spirit really helped me there because for the first time I stopped misusing him and said, okay, tell me about this Jesus. I don't know this Jesus. I don't know this Christ in me. I don't know how to get him out of me. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Well, that's been, uh, what, 40 years ago. And you can see how dumb I am now. So it's taken a long time for it to get through to me. I still got a lot to know. But I've got the Holy Spirit teaching me. He's my teacher. He's teaching me this new life I've got. How to use it. How to make it work. If not so, learn Christ. Are you seeing it a little clearly? How Paul and Jesus fit together? But how important it is to know that it's Christ in the new body that makes the difference to the Apostle Paul. He didn't want to know Christ in the old body at all. He didn't want to know Jesus in the Mary body in any degree because it was all outer. That's why when you read the epistles, there's nothing in there of the story of Jesus of Nazareth. No healings, no miracles, no great things he did. Why? Because Paul said we no longer are to know him in that way. How do we know him? By Christ in us. Does that do away with those marvelous things in the Gospels? Not at all. But it fixes us as to who we are by what happened at the cross. That's why I'm here to talk to you about that. To tell you that the Holy Spirit who is in you already knows something that would radically change your life if you were to yield to the Spirit to learn Christ. How do you do that? I've had thousands of people to grasp that truth and their prayer life changed from me being happy, healed, prosperous, great, important to Holy Spirit reveal God's Son who's in me. You see, God doesn't have any other kind of salvation but Christ in you. Romans 5.10 says, we are saved by His life. His life in us. So pray that prayer. Pray that He will do that to you and for you. So our text is, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and revealed His Son in me. Call me by His grace to reveal His Son in me. Why did Paul say those man ministries would pass away? God ministries didn't. What was of God, whether it was tongues, healing, faith, power, none of that passed away. Those were God things. But what passed away were man things. The church at Corinth was not upset by what God was doing, but by what man was doing. And so Paul said these things will cease. They'll pass away. But what is it that was greater? What was the greater thing that would come? It was Christ in you. 
What was the greater thing that would come to pass? Would be God birthing his son in the human being. Paul knew that, and Paul saw that. So for what I'm talking to you about this week is how Jesus that lives in the believer and Paul fits together and how we need to get fixed in our mind what to do with Jesus of Nazareth who died on the cross, went back to heaven, but sent another gospel to this earth. Not really another, but the first gospel before the foundation of the world. That gospel. If you knew, if you really had that feeling that Christ lived in you, how would it change your life? <laughs> I want you to think about it for a moment. Well, we're going to have to stop right here. I'm so sorry. It's really a great series about Jesus and Paul from Warren Litzman. We're going to pick up next week right where we left off, so don't worry and don't forget about that. Again, we'd like to invite you to visit our website, christ-life.org. Read all about us and visit our bookstore while you're there. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring you these wonderful teaching sessions from Warren. Also, we'd like to thank Valerie Hill. She does our Twitter account each week. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.